Brand new magazine and podcast exist to inspire, motivate, and invigorate women to step into their businesses as truly themselves. Full of real-life stories, practical solutions, and inspirational ideas from fellow entrepreneurs, each issue has a different theme that showcases the many values, beliefs, and morals that women build their businesses around today. So, be your business and brand you. With everything that has happened this year, 2020 could have easily been a year of disconnect and hatred. Instead, I have seen communities coming together and rediscovering their common humanity through connection and inclusivity. Each woman in this issue was chosen because they embody these beliefs, heart and soul, both personally and professionally. Welcome to issue one of Brand New Magazine and Podcast, The Together Issue. In this episode, you'll be meeting Sheree Clonan, the founder of The Digital Picnic, and about how she puts people before profit. Not only that, she's also our cover woman. The Digital Picnic is a rainbow unicorn dipped in glitter in a sea of social media management companies. Sheree ensures that they stay cutting edge in the digital space and focuses on being socially strategic, while still embodying their values of courage, integrity, commitment, collaboration and accountability. Tell us about Sheree Clonan and what Digital Picnic is. Yeah, sure. So I guess, well, I'll start with me, (laughs) Sheree. So I'm a 37-year-old mother of two and a digital marketer, always, you know, passionately digital right from when I was a teenager and, you know, dial-up internet arrived to Australia and yeah, I just remember, honestly, I was like, oh, that's me done. Like dad was just really worried. I remember him feeling really worried for how much time I was sinking in online. And I just lived, breathed it right from, you know, day dot and was coding up chat rooms in Merck and ICQ, you know, those were the days and, you know, just building out websites and so on. And I just loved it from the minute it happened to my life, but didn't go straight to that um, because it wasn't even an industry, um, honestly, when I was finishing up with grade 12, year 12, I should say. Uh, so I studied law and hated every single day of having to do that. And then basically ultimately ended up in digital marketing, which is where I should have been. Um, so I'm really happy here. I love my job so much. Like I just feel like one of the lucky humans who's not wasting her life and her years and her happiness, you know, on stuff that I don't like. So I'd really just genuinely wake up and, you know, think, yes, let's do this. This is actually apparently a job, you know, um, so that feels good. So that's me. And then the digital picnic began in October 2014 because I honestly remember sitting in, you know, university uh, qualifications and just thinking, man, I feel sorry for people when they graduate and are expected to hit the ground running on the practicals of paid ads and, um, you know, just things that you're not taught in university. And by the time they'd work it into the curriculum, it's outdated anyway. So not, you know, discrediting universities at all. They, they lay all of the important foundations, but I remember sitting there thinking, I'm going to be the person who fills in the gaps one day. And that's what we do now. So we are, you know, professional gap fillers with lots of different workshops that we teach (laughs) to people and we run team training and then we also manage social media and specialize in performance marketing. So that's me and that's us. 
mean, you just need to spend a small amount of time in your insipate space to see how yeah. raw and real you and your team are. Like, it, yeah. <laughs> I have so many me too moments when I'm on your stories. Tell us the importance and benefits of an authentic and real social media presence. I think, um, you know, I think people are finally really understanding that and it took them almost too long, you know, because uh, I can remember craving to humanise all of the presences that I worked with when I was in-house marketer for lots of different, you know, spaces and places and it would be lots, it would be fighting sometimes and I'd be like, we just need to show a lot more real here and it, it would be so much pushback and, and, oh, we couldn't possibly do that. We couldn't possibly be human online and I'm like, but why? <laughs> and that's what people are craving and so I'm just so lucky and grateful that we did that from the first day we posted to Instagram for the digital picnic and Facebook and you know even now LinkedIn which is where I'm concentrating some efforts as well and it's just so well received you know fancy that people craving people you know who'd have thunk it so that's what we show up and and you saying that you have so many me too moments that's why you've got to share the real because ultimately even the biggest of brands do need to create a connection between themselves and their followers you know that's just marketing 101 but it saddens me how many people just don't kind of grasp that as such a 101 kind of thing. So that's what we're teaching. So how important would you say being yourself has been to TDP success, not just you, but your team as well? Yeah, I, I honestly couldn't imagine our business having done anything but be that. And the beautiful thing about it is obviously when I started, I'd love to tell you that I had a big five, 10 year plan, but that's just not me. <laughs> Who would have thought that 2020 would be the year of the bat anyway? So 2020 is just, let's just write it off. You know, <laughs> can't put that in a business plan. <laughs> so I just, you know, I think for me, I didn't predict that we'd have you know, the size of the team that we have, which is still honestly small and humble. But for me, that's a really big deal to have 14, you know, 24 karat gold human beings. And by me always humanizing at every touch point, they've, you know, rocked up to our workplace and felt like they could be themselves, you know, and there's been so many beautiful moments in that space that people wouldn't see online because it's not my stories to share. But, you know, I'll never forget when one of our team members stood up one day and Oh, it was so brave, you know, and she, our top, you know, office is where we all basically sit and map out strategy. And, and she just stood up from her chair one day, encouraged by private conversations with me and talked about her, you know, absolute battle with mental health and chronic depression. And oh, I just still get goosebumps thinking about how brave and courageous she was. She needed to share it because, you know, she was worried that, how she presents to work some days when she's in a real low might be misinterpreted from the team and the way that she shared and the way that that was received was nothing short of what I suppose anyone who follows TDP would expect it to be shared and received and you know it just welded us all together yet again through experiences of you know being human and daring to share yourself as human in a workplace and comfortably know that that's never not welcome, you know? And that was a moment for me. I just sat there thinking, look at what you've built, sis, you know? There's this great woman who's, you know, been comfortable enough to stand up just like that, stand in her, you know, from her chair and just say, 
guys, I battle depression in a chronic way. And sometimes it presents like this and other times it presents like that. And I'm going to need your support in these particular areas to get through this. And, and then we all had a hug because we could, because COVID didn't exist then, <laughs> you know, and it was a really lovely day in that not lovely for her battling depression. That's not something I'd wish on anyone, but lovely that she was supported the way in which she was and continues to be. And you yourself have shared some of your own mental health journey yes. quite publicly as well. Yeah. And in so many ways, I feel it is reflective of my own journey with anxiety. Yeah. So it was something that wasn't diagnosed when we were kids. Like it wasn't yeah. something that, you know, you were the high strung kid or you were the kid that, you know, had sensitivities or whatever it yeah. was, but it was kind of like woo woo. We'll just pop that aside for now. Yeah. And I, by seeing people like yourself and other people step up, like one of the most pivotal moments for me was when the Are You Okay movement came. Yeah. And I remember posting something about how anxiety felt to me. Yeah. And so many people came out of the woodwork and, and sent me messages and support. And since then, it's like it's removed like this whole wall. Yeah, I agree. And and it, I just think that more people need to, we, we learn Japanese at school, we learn Mandarin, we learn German. Can we please learn how to speak fluent anxiety, depression? Because I want people to get better at understanding the way this person is presenting is because they're actually really anxious, you know, and if more people could speak fluent anxiety, we would live in a better world. You know, I, I, I know this, you know, um, I know that there's been different instances where I've presented team training to highly strong corporates who straight away I'm like, you are high, function, high functioning anxiety. And I cut them so much slack. And look, honestly, <laughs> during the session, the way they speak to me isn't ideal. <laughs> you know, I'm like, Ooh. but I also know that it comes from an anxious place. And I, I, I cut them some slack because I know by day's end, they're in a better place just by what I've taught and the way I've you know, communicated to them. And I've said, you know, really validating things like you can sit in all of the masters of everything's, but they don't teach this because this is the knowledge gap filling. This is the, and this industry moves so fast, et cetera, et cetera. And I give lots of examples of how I used to be a tick box marketer. I wasn't proud of my early days marketing efforts of like tick box done. See you later. And I wasn't making an impact for the brands that I represented, you know, and so them hearing me disclose that. So honestly, they're like, Oh, okay. And it just gives them, you know, a bit of breathing space. But, you know, I, I just think, yeah, the world would be a better place if we just got better at understanding how people present, you know. So I, I communicate that really openly. I'm high-functioning anxiety big time. I arrive at a domestic flight five hours early sometimes. Domestic, just going to Sydney, you know. And I just think I couldn't possibly be that person whose name is being called out for the second time running onto the plane. I'm like, how do you live? <laughs> how do you live that me I've been there for five hours I've got you know I've had lunch I'm bordering on ready for dinner you know and um yeah I'm just happy I'm so happy it doesn't impact anyone else it's just me being where I need to be at the time that I need to feel comfortable about that flight being made you know and that's the thing it's it's a level of understanding I feel that so often once you start taking that step away from hiding yeah Exactly. Not only do you start to understand yourself more, you understand others as well. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. You know, just 
Dave, my husband, he's just like, oh, uh, <laughs> it's 9am, you've got a flight at, you know, 3pm, Do you, will you be heading off soon? And I'm like, yep, you know me. So we've talked a lot about being yourself in your business. It's something that is a constant journey for myself personally. Like it's constantly, you know, looking at the next way that I can be myself in my business because I've seen the effect it can have by stepping up into my space and how much it frees up a lot of the previously quite indoctrinated corporate space that I used to be in what tips do you have for people to step into themselves within their business like what what can they start doing I think you know it could be something as simple as and I'll just share what I do you know I I know that I'm lucky content marketing actually comes easily to me watch me on bookkeeping and zero reconciliations and you'll see where I come done (laughs) I'm done as a human but I know that I'm blessed in that content marketing I almost could probably do it in my sleep. So I've just got to acknowledge that because I understand that some people really battle in the space of marketing themselves online. And that's just not something that I battle. But in saying that, I, I set myself reminders, you know, really simple ones that don't serve to overwhelm me and head me into that space of paralysis by overanalysis. And three reminders that I, I constantly have on a post-it note, literally on my, you know, just behind my computer is memorability relatability and endearment. So I want to be memorable. I want to be relatable and I do want to be sometimes endearing. And for me, those three things have lent, have lent themselves to some of the most powerful content we, we've ever shared on, you know, our little pocket of, you know, the interwebs. And I, I am not this, you know, um, Ron Burgundy big deal, but in my little pocket of the world, I feel like I make an impact with, you know, the content that we share. And it's because of just, three things written on post-it notes. They're bright yellow and it just says memorability, relatability and endearment. And for SMEs, like that's something that you are so lucky that you get to tap into that without needing seven different approval processes like the ones I had when I was back in bloody corporate land, you know. So, (laughs) you know, just be happy that that's not you and that you get to, yeah, just show up and be yourself and there's really no restrictions other than you restricting yourself. So that would be my like top line advice. We could explore it so much further, but if that serves as something just to remove the, I don't know, what is it, the the barriers that people put on their their own selves, you know, it's just leaning into those three things really helps me every single day. And that is so true. Having things simplified down to three words is something I'm yeah. a fierce advocate for in my branding process when I do it with people. Yeah. I'm the kind of person that when I see these big long mission statements, don't get me wrong, I understand the purpose behind them, but they're... Yeah there's a constant level of self-doubt that you're actually implicating it across all levels. By having three key words, that long as you come yes. back to that. So for instance, I have the brand values of bold, confident, honest, energetic, and creative. Yeah. And yes. pretty much I have those across my office because yeah. basically everything I do needs to come back to those words. Yeah. I know. It's as simple as that. It is simple. And I think people uh, just overanalyze it. And for me, you know, even if I only had memorability, uh, that would serve me well. I mean, I need more. (laughs) I need more than one word. But (laughs) memorability alone, like that means that I share things that shake things up a little bit online. You know, I take risks. I share things that maybe other people wouldn't share. And 
it's never not served as well. Uh, if it hasn't, I don't know about it because it means that some people have decided that we're not the company for them. And I'm like, great, what a great way to screen who's not suited to working with us, you know? So yeah, just to the SMEs, especially the solopreneurs, the, the one or two or three person shows, like just go out and be you online. Don't be afraid to be you because, you know, whatever you is, is unique and people want that. And I only put up a post a couple of days ago on LinkedIn and I just said, you know, for me, um, I stay true to what suits me. And actually I love using TikTok. I love watching it. I love seeing all of the pranks. I laugh so hard. 11 o'clock at night, I'm like wheeze laughing on the couch because of all of those great pranks that women do on their husbands. I'm like, yeah, get it. But can I do it? No, I, I'm not an actress. I, I get really embarrassed. I, that's where maybe it's an anxiety thing, but I just can't actually do that. And the few times that my team have asked me to show off on TikTok, it's taken me one hour to make one 15 second video. And, I, and I'm dying inside. It's, it's broken me as a human. I'm like, I hated every single element of that. So I'm not an actress. And I, I just decided, hey team, love you all, but TikTok isn't for me. So you keep doing what you're doing there because you guys are all awesome. I'm just going to destroy whatever good you've created on this platform. So I'll consume, you create, you know? So I'd say to people, be true to you. If you're funny, be funny. If you're authentic, be real. If you're more serious, go for the educational type pillars, like just often be yourself, whatever that is. The people will lap it up when they feel it's true to you. That is a thousand percent true. I was really opened up really raw and honest the other day. Yeah. Um, I know everyone can't see me because we're not going to be doing a video. This is a yes. podcast after all. Yeah. But yesterday, was it yesterday or the day before, I rocked up on Instagram stories on my page. Normally I have my hair done and I have my makeup done. Those are just things I do in the morning so yeah. that if I feel like I need to show up, they're done. I rocked up, my hair wasn't done. Yeah. I had big dark circles under my eyes and I owned the fact that I knew I was heading towards burnout and I yeah. was taking the next day off to address that space. Yeah, well done. And the amount of people that came to me um, and just went, me too, thank you for saying this. I felt like it was something I had to hide. I felt like it was me failing Yeah, to exactly. feel this way. And then you saved people from hitting their own burnout or worser versions of burnout you know and burnout is savage at the moment in this climate like people just have to look after themselves so you do sometimes have to rock up oh, i say to whenever you want you know i i rock up regularly with dark circled situations and not amazing looking hair and i'm like well this is me today and you know enjoy <laughs> you know uh, so you know just yeah and and then people can see that i look a bit tired and they know that the behind the scenes must be looking a bit more full-on and sometimes i will put on makeup and they're like you look like you're going today i'm like it's makeup but thank you so much you know <laughs> i'm dead inside i'll take it <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm joking but also not <laughs> jokes but not jokes <laughs> Yeah, Joe, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so a huge part of TDP are the team you have hired in so many ways. Yeah. As much as you're the brainchild behind it, they're the ones that have like, you've got so many <laughs> characters on your staff. Oh, haven't I? <laughs> Best humans. One of my favourite things that you did in response to going into lockdown and having all your teamwork remote 
was the bunker diaries yes yes oh my god i'll tell lizzie she'll be so happy with that she created that it was, it was just so nice to see that other people are on the same situation and and being really creative in that space but also being really honest you've done so many creative ways of introducing your team and yeah. supporting your team and being really transparent about what that's involved what are some of the creative ways apart from the bunker diaries like what's been one of your favorite creative ways that you and your team have shown up online I think that, in all honesty, because there are so many incredible behind-the-scenes moments at TDP that people, you know, when we're working together and legally allowed to, really, we have a lot of great moments, honestly. And we've actually just started pen to paper, little notepads, writing down some of the epic laughs that we've had or great moments, funny moments, powerful moments, inspiring moments, teachable moments, just all of it. It doesn't matter what moment that is. We write it down pen to paper. And then when we have our photographer come out, you know, we're lucky we get her out every month. Usually again, I'm saying this all pre COVID, but you know, we've got a list then a really great list of content of moments where uh, for example, Mel, when she started at TDP, she interviewed for the role and she was a little bit nervous before the interview. I mean, understandable, all interviews, uh, you know, just they get you where you're like, please like me. And so she had this little nervous moment. She'd already rung the doorbell and then she whipped out a power pose in the hallway thinking, you know, like go me. Uh, but unfortunately for her, she didn't realise that we had a video camera <laughs> that records. <laughs> we were like... <laughs> dying <laughs> i was like hide honestly uh, you don't even need to talk at this point in time you are hired sis you know lost it absolutely lost it because mostly we just caught little uh sneaky nose pics or you know just whatever people do right before that interview but this extravagant human being was out there power posing like brene brown <laughs> in our hallway <laughs> So what we did is we got her to recreate that when she settled in probably three months in, felt comfortable and like we have to recreate that. And now it's one of the best pieces of content we've shared because we tell the story and people just think she's as, as you know, that she's as magnificent as we think she is, you know, and there's just so many moments just from putting pen to paper. And I would encourage anyone listening to this podcast to do the same, you know, don't forget your day to day. Like it might just be day to day to you, but these are all fantastic opportunities for you to share content, tell your stories and record the things that you might have otherwise forgotten. So that's what we do. And that's my favorite part. Actually, I really look forward to seeing what we've got by the end of the month. And we don't even, it's a content shoot list. The photographer's like, you guys are bloody genius. I just, it's too easy. Yeah, it's great. I love that. Your team environment is actually one that I find really inspirational. And we've already touched on what some of your values are that you show up online with. What would you say are your brand values for your team? Yeah, sure. So uh, we know because it spells out chica, so C-I-C-C-A. And so we give a chicken trophy at the end of each month for people who've lived into the chica values. <laughs> awesome. Got to love a good acronym. Daggy but true. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so that would stand for courage, integrity, collaboration, commitment and accountability. Yeah, that's basically what we stand for as a team, as a company. And yes, it's definitely no doubt, you know, evident online, I'm sure, I hope. But it's especially true of just how my team members show up, you know, day in and day out and live into 
different elements of those values and that's ultimately what turns us into a chicken trophy at the end of each month. Is it an actual chicken? Please let it be an actual chicken. I promise you, it's an, I'll DM it to you after this interview, it's a legitimate chicken trophy that I yes. googled and had sent over from the US and now we Uber it to each other on Monday at the start of each month. Whoever's won the chicken trophy gets seat, gets put on a passenger seat in this taxi. Yes. This makes me so happy in my soul. <laughs> the highlight of my month, seeing our little chicken being wrapped up in a seatbelt with this confused looking Uber driver thinking, what is my life? And that person gets to own it for the, the next month because they're the chicker of the month. I love that so much. That level of in-joke, I feel, really breeds a positive environment where you feel like you can be a bit goofy or you know because you also know that you can trust those people to have your back when things shit gets real yeah my team tease me they call me rogue cloning because i'm always going rogue on them and just changing things <laughs> i'm like sorry i've pivoted on this <laughs> um but yeah great idea yeah and it's just those little things that really build a team and i know that one of your driving values for your team is that you always aim to put people before profit yeah and in what ways, I feel like this last six months must have been a really hard time to be doing that. Yeah. And it really probably pushed you on that as well. In what ways do you do this and why is it so important to you? I don't know. For me, it just comes easily and naturally. Uh, maybe, I don't know, <laughs> I won't go into too much psychology here, but I didn't come from literally anything. We were below poverty line. I grew up in foster care, 1980s foster care, which was honestly genuinely horrific. Not a great time to be a foster kid, let me tell you. So I haven't strived for like millions and millions of dollars. It's just not what I actually need. It's not even about wants. It's I actually don't need millions of dollars to make me happy in life. What I actually want is a profitable business. My dreams for having a profitable business are around when you have money and it's in the right hands, good hands do good things with money, you know? And so what my hands do with the profit that TDP makes is I take it and I make sure that my family are looked after and everything like that, because that is important. But I also give a lot back, you know, and in ways that we don't share online because I feel like it's a bit virtue signally, but you know, there are some really incredible organizations that benefit from how we give back, but also my team because our industry sucks. <laughs> People are underpaid. Creativity isn't valued. Salary bandwidths are a bloody joke. And so what I do instead is I throw 10 or 15K on top of a usual bandwidth. And that means that I have really happy people who stick around long term and do really incredible things for my business. And what I've learned is that actually makes your business profitable. There's a thought, pay people what they're worth and a little bit beyond if you possibly can. And they go on to do really incredible things for your business. And that's made us the profitable business that we are, honestly. I'm glad, you know, so for me, I, I, look, Victoria, we're getting some grants at the moment because we're all, you know, COVID dying. And so grants have come through and it might've been something like $3,000. And I look at that and I'm like, that can be a private nanny for the couple of working parents that I have whose faces are disintegrating on our Monday Zoom chats. I can literally see the circles under their eyes getting darker. And so I thought, let's get a private nanny. But unfortunately, we went into stage four and now we're not allowed. So I was like, let's get home cooked meals, you know, to them immediately. Let's send out, I sent out last week a bottle of Mount Terrible wine because just the name sounded so representative of this time <laughs> to be a working parent. 
you know, it's not just the working parents because that's not fair, but it's, it's everyone in our team. They all get something nice that just lifts their spirits up and it's important. And that's where people before profit seriously matters. And it's not, it's not like I'm Oprah just giving out cars. It's just small, tangible things. I wish I was Oprah. That'd be amazing. But, you know, it's just really small things that were so easy to do, you know, and that change outcomes for people and make them feel valued. People over profit always because then you'll be profitable anyway, honestly. So a lot of the people that are going to be listening probably aren't lucky enough to be at the stage where they can consider taking on a team yet. And as a onepreneur, I'm busy outsourcing left, right and centre because once I did it the first time, the value that I placed on it, like yesterday felt like I'd reached the pinnacle of my success. I always joked that my success was going to be measured when I could hire a cleaner. Ah, yes. My God, yes. It's just starting to like flip the value of things a little bit as well. But I have to admit, I'm starting to head towards that stage of knowing that sometime in the future, I'm going to need more. How do you know when you're ready for that next step of hiring someone? I know, that's such a good question. I think for me, and I can only obviously speak from my own experience, but you just know because you've reached that point of discomfort where I guess you feel defeated by Monday. And if you're feeling defeated by Monday, like 9.30 a.m. because you know for a fact you're not going to get through all of the things that you need to get through, something has to give, doesn't it? So what, what gives? You know, you have to decide individually. For some, it is the cleaner because you think about your hourly rate versus a 30 to $40 per hour cleaner, for example. And I know straight away that I can't be cleaning my house because it takes me longer as well because the kids slow me down at every touch point, you know, so it's a four to five hour job for me. I procrastinate clean. But, oh yeah, I rage clean. Dave should argue with me all the time because if he wants the house clean, I'm like, I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you with this sparkling clean house. But yeah, no, just, you know, knowing what to outsource and when is, is just so important and don't, don't be a martyr. Don't make yourself sick. And I did this uh, last year. I just didn't do it quick enough for things that I needed. And I got so sick and stressed that I had gastric ulcers all over my stomach covered. You know, they opened me up and they couldn't believe this was a woman in her 30s. And ever since then, I've just tried so hard. Obviously, pre-COVID, COVID's an, (laughs) an exception to the rule. We're all just out there homeschooling. Yeah, no, I'm just, you know, always trying to recognize when it's feeling too much and deciding what has to give. I would stress to your, you know, beautiful listeners, do the same, whatever it is, you know, if it's a HelloFresh, if it's a If it's a cleaner, if it's a bookkeeper, I I just don't know. It looks different on everyone. Outsourcing looks different on everyone, but be kind to yourself. And I promise you will be surprised what that gives back to the business. I always say to people, look at the thing you hate. You are dreading it. It is the thing that you procrastinate on. It is the thing that you literally, something in your soul feels like it's dying when you have to do that thing outsource that oh couldn't agree more honestly for me that's cooking i hate cooking i hate it i'm just lucky i have a hubby who likes cooking i purposely here here's a tip for everyone want your husband to start cooking for you purposely make your cooking crap oh i know honestly i need to but unfortunately i married someone who isn't just bad at cooking but we've been together 18 years he's cooked for me three times the two of those three times food poisoned chicken undercooked He's dangerous. He's a dangerous man who needs to get the flip out of that kitchen. 
So this issue of Brand New Magazine is all about inclusivity and connection. I feel like we've really dug into the connection side of things. However, you've also been really honest around the inclusivity learning curve that you are on and you've been really honest and transparent about what you know and what steps you're taking on your journey to improve with TDP. Can you tell us some of the things that you've learned over the last few months? Some of the things that will educate our, our listeners as well about things that they may not have considered. Yeah, definitely. Okay, I've learned a lot. So for me, it started three years ago in an online mother's group that I was in, which is very white because of, of the particular area that I guess that I live in. I'm not sure, but it's, it's a very white group, you know. And a conversation happened in that group which talked about white privilege. I read it. I felt offended and insulted. I decided you couldn't possibly consider me a privileged person like because of my background, you know, just earlier year stuff. That's got nothing <laughs> to do with privilege, you know. I was initially offended and that's just a normal early days probably response for most people when they start to unpack their white privilege. I'm glad that conversation happened because it made me feel, I don't know, just I probably was in that dreaded minority of, you know, people who are like the crying the white tears, which is not what I want to be about, you know, now, three years later, I'm such a different person to that person who, you know, felt offended back then. But I still have a long way to go. I think you can only ever keep going in this space. For me now, as, you know, the founder of a growing business, I've got this huge responsibility to be better. And so what that looks like is making sure that our workplace is inclusive. Our HR policies are. Are we attracting BIPOC candidates? Nope. And I've recognised what mistakes we've made there so we are you know rectifying that now but it does take time we're still I think sometimes people think we're this juggernaut business but every hire is such a just so much has to lead to each individual hire but the next time we do hire whenever that is we're going through a recruitment agency that employs Indigenous Australians you know that's just the first thing you can very easily do we also straight away started working with a diversity and inclusion consultant and they've mapped out what the next two three five years looks like for the digital picnic and I think the future looks colourful not just the way that TDP and colourful is associated as being but colourful in that I know now how to write better job descriptions thanks to this person so that people feel included and represented and that they see themselves in the workplace. They see opportunities there, opportunities not just for, you know, particular roles, but leadership positions and so on, you know, so that's uh, the first changes. And then made a really big effort to make sure that our language is inclusive. And I'm falling down here every single week and getting called out every single week by people online and I welcome it. You know, it doesn't feel great. Honestly, I'm a human being and I read it, I'm like, oh, you know, and then I just quickly get over myself and actually read the words and learn how I can be better. So the most recent example is I was in a team meeting describing the pandemic as insane. You know, I was like, oh, this is just insane. And then a member in my team very politely one-on-one'd me in a Slack thread and just said, you know, when you use words like insane or crazy or cray to describe things, that's uh, offensive to people suffering from mental illness. And I was like, yes, my gosh, thank you. So now I change my language to wild. You know, I use wild a lot. Most recently, our website is in the middle of being completely overhauled. A few things reverted back to how it looked in 2014 when we first began. One of those, and this was just an accident because we've got an agency in the US in the middle of, you know, making all the changes. So our email opt-in that appears on the website said, join our tribe, you know, which is definitely a word that I used in 2014 because I didn't know better. And when you know better, you do better. But when I 
I was 2014ing. I was like, tribe, yes, because you see that a lot online. And uh, now I've completely been, you know, educated on the word tribe and how you you can't use that. And so updated our opt-in opt straight away. But someone uh, recognised it just last week and emailed us, and the email was pretty full on to read, honestly. And it was designed to make me feel incredibly ashamed, you know. And I do, I did feel incredibly ashamed, you know. And I wrote back just a superhuman response and said, you know, this is courageous of you. You've got to keep doing this. You've, you've got to make sure that the brands who are living loud in this space and talking about being inclusive and progressive and so on. And if it's not matching up at some point, at some particular touch point online, call it out. So thanks for doing that. We admire you for doing that to explain. And then I provided the explanation, not that it's an excuse, but it was just an explanation. And I said, so I'm going to update that right now. And I really thank you for coming across and, you know, letting us know. So that's just what we're trying to do. Not trying to cry the white, you know, to you and so on. Um, just trying to really be better in this space and be open to people telling us where we can do better. You know, I don't expect people to donate lots of their time to educators. I pay consultants for that. I don't want to take the piss by expecting BIPOC communities to take me on an education journey. There are people with courses for that and I've signed up to Many, Whiteness at Work by Desiree Adaway, Unpack Your Privilege by Sharon Holmes and so on. You know, so there's so many things that you can do for less than $500 to upskill in the space of being a better human, just being a better citizen of the planet. And that is my responsibility because I am growing a team and I have to be better in this space and pass that learning on to my team as well. Are we perfectly inclusive? No way. We're still, I don't know how to write visual descriptions. We've got a lunch and learn next week to teach us how to do that. Is my language perfect? No. Call me out if it isn't, you know, tell me so I know. But I can say for as long as I am online every single week, literally guaranteed 52 times a year, I've learned something new about how to be better. 52 times a year is a pretty good opportunity to be a better human. Again, it comes back to awareness. Yes. It comes back to holding that space to learn and to adapt and to change and be open to that change. That's all you can do. We're not all cast in plaster and incapable of moving outside of what the space we've always been in. So I, I feel like that comes across when it comes to inclusivity. It comes across even just making a connection with a person that might not have been in a space that you normally would have or having a conversation or it starts really small. And I know that it sounds really cliched, but by taking these small steps, it's amazing the snowball effect it can have both internally uh, and externally. Yeah. Honestly, if we all felt comfortable to give feedback and receive that feedback comfortably, we'd all be better off, you know, and you can be gentle about giving that feedback. And it can be in the moment, even when you feel scared to, you know, I, I was asked to MC a particular event once and it was for startup folk who were looking to, you know, start something. And uh, the whole selection of panelists were just saying, yeah, just do it. I just did it. I just started. I just leapt in I just did that and as the MC I kept hearing that and I thought yeah because you're partnered and that person you're partnered with covered the other 50% of salary while you were just doing it you know without the income for the first two to three years that a lot of startup folk you know endure now what about our single parents <laughs> who can't just do it and so as the MC I just really gently I just said like I'm hearing a lot of like just jump in just do it and so on but I want to let you know I did the same and I was 
backed by my partner who was on a stable income. So I could. So to anyone in this room who's not in that position, you go, you, you're going to have to approach this differently because of literally financial restrictions, you know. And so it's just important to acknowledge privilege wherever you can. My privilege is that I partnered to a person who's fully supportive of how dirt poor we were for the first, you know, three years of TDP existing. I couldn't even afford baby wipes. I had to scrounge silvers together and walk down to the milk bar one day and I literally laid out the last 10 cent on the counter, felt so ashamed and was like five cents short or something. He gave it to me. I was like, thanks, mate. The, the privilege of having even Dave's salary at that time, even if we were just scrimping for baby wipes, you know, it was still a privileged position to be in. I could actually start the business because of being able to rely on Dave's stable income. And there are so many people who haven't got that. So let's recognize the privilege and be gentle about giving feedback. And, and it was received really well. And there were some nods in the crowd. They're like, thank you, solidarity, because they're like, thanks for acknowledging that we ain't in that position to, you know, just start. I've done a lot of collaborations and I am naturally an empathetic person. I just want to help. I always just want to help. I try to do everything that I can to help my friends or help some, a, a cause that I believe in and step up into that space. But just remember that that can have a huge effect. Like it can have a huge flow on effect. Yeah, I agree. Honestly, I completely agree. So, you know, give back where you can and when you can. And if you position, if your business gets to that position where it can, oh man, do it. You know, uh, we are there now. We can give back and it feels really good. And I know I change outcomes for people. I actually know I do. And it feels good to my core to be able to do that. When it comes to being in your business and being you in your business, the thing is, is you can't help but develop and grow as a person if you're showing up as yourself and how important that can be to yeah. self-development as well as professional development. I agree completely. Yeah. Well, very last point now, because I feel like we've covered a huge range of bases here. Lastly, why do you think it is so important to brand you into your business? I think it's so important because people are craving your stories. You only need to look at your top line social media analytics at the end of each month and every month without fail. I see that we can't be without that founder content. So it has to be there because it lifts everything else up, you know, and it's hard for me because I, uh, I'm actually introverted, you know, as a personality type. And also I don't like to make it too Cherie centric and I want to elevate my team, but they know when I share my founder pieces of content, it's lifting everything else up because we see it in the month to month reports, you know, uh, in the back ends. And we're lucky we know how to explore that data because we are digital marketers, but it just, it makes it so damn obvious what we have to do. And that is to lean into honest pillars about what my experience is as you know, being the founder of the digital picnic and I'm really open with it. And it's not just about high performing content and so on. It's not just about likes and engagement content, you know, clicks and so on. It's hopefully a bigger thing. Hopefully I'm yeah, making an impact with people who are just literally sitting there and thinking me too you know, and like you just said at the start, that's important stuff. I want our content to connect and I just can't do it when it's all product promotion, conversion. It's just the quickest way to drop out of a person's newsfeed. They're like, yawn. We don't want that. That's not our jam. And I just can't believe that a digital marketing agency in Melbourne has 
grown 40 something thousand followers on a platform like Instagram? Like who would want to follow a digital marketing agency? We're not following the agency. We're following you and your team. Literally. And so that's why you've got to do it. A digital marketing agency in Melbourne should not have the follower base that we have. And we have it because of that, because we've, we've showed up, we've been memorable, we've been relatable and we've been endearing uh, multiple times per week. And 40 something thousand people have decided I don't completely always understand some of the paid ads results that you share or Google analytics uh, results and so on, but I'm here for your stories and that makes an impact. And the next time I head into my whip and recommend digital marketing training, I'm going to say the digital picnic, you know, and that's, that's the stuff that really sticks for us and has made us become, you know, the business that, that we've become and hopefully continue to be. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about our amazing contributors, don't forget to check out www.brandumagazine.com.au. Also, stay up to date on our socials and see all the new bits and pieces that are coming out over the coming months. And remember, be your business, brand you.